wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. You are listening to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp along side Graham GSM Matthews, and we are here to bring you the front to end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Graham, a pleasure as always. We are two days, six hours, five minutes and 55, 54, 53, 52 seconds away from Survivor Series live this Sunday, November 20th at starting at 7 p.m. on the WWE Network. I am thrilled to see the conclusion of all of the momentum building up towards Survivor Series. I'm excited to see especially what comes after Survivor Series, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. Let's talk about Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. What do you think? Do you think this is the main event for Survivor Series? Easily. 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 I got to say, I mean, with Survivor Series, with so many Raw and SmackDown matches taking place, this is the match that has the highest stakes. We talk about Team Raw, Team SmackDown, which is the better brand, and that's all well and good. But Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, to me, is the match that is the most of, of, of importance on the show. With Goldberg saying, I'm back for one more match. I'm doing this for my family. Lesnar says, I don't give a crap about your kids. I don't give a crap about your wife. I'm here to make money and to avenge that loss from 12 years ago, from a dozen years ago at WrestleMania 20. It's a simple story, and it works. Week in and week out, they have done an excellent job of getting me hyped up for this match. And that final face-off on Monday, in my opinion, could not have gone off better. Well, let's talk a little bit about the reality of this fantasy warfare come to reality. But the reality is, as you just pointed out, that Goldberg has not really been in a competitive ring scenario since that match with Brock Lesnar 12 years ago. And before that, that wasn't even the height of Bill Goldberg. Before that, another 10 years before that is when Goldberg really made his first big splash in pro wrestling. Talk to me a little bit about where you think Goldberg ranks or stacks up against the Beast Incarnate right now. I mean, it's a it, two completely different eras. Like you said, I mean, Goldberg was in WWE a little over 12 years ago from 03 to 04, very short stint. But then you, you, you can't forget about the fact he had an illustrious career over in WCW, former world champion, United States champion, undefeated for 178 matches or something like that. But Brock Lesnar, look at the reality of this. Goldberg was great then. Is he great now? We'll find out on Sunday. But we know for a fact that Brock Lesnar is great right now. The last time we saw him in the ring, he was beating up a Randy Orton in his prime. A 35, 36-year-old guy in a matter of eight minutes, beating him to a literal bloody pulp at SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar has been an unstoppable force for well over three and a half years. Goldberg, we're going to find out how he fares on Sunday. I mean, height-wise, I think that they match up uh, Goldberg matches up with Brock Lesnar better than anyone we've seen since The Undertaker. And even then, it was while while it felt monumental that Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker at WrestleMania, it seems that Undertaker is definitely not the competitor that he was even in the Attitude Era. So, nothing not to take anything away from the dead man here, but I don't think we've seen Brock Lesnar go up against a competitor that has the size and strength of Bill Goldberg, but at the same time, Bill Goldberg certainly doesn't have the endurance of a full-time pro wrestler right now. So for me, I it's hard for me to imagine that the same thing that happened to Randy Orton will not happen to Goldberg. I mean, I have to believe that when Paul Heyman says that he is going to be victimized, that is exactly what is going to happen here. And, and to throw a little bit more onto that fire, Brock Lesnar has a loss under his belt to Bill Goldberg and the annoying Goldberg chance going on and on and on throughout all of this has been used to fuel the beast and, and to really put all of that focus into Bill Goldberg. I... I hate to say it, I would love to see Goldberg come back and win, but I think he's going to become out of this a broken Bill Goldberg. I think he walks out Sunday conquered, victimized by the beast incarnate himself, Brock Lesnar. I think there's a good chance, I think he has a better chance, oddly enough to say, of anyone else that Brock Lesnar has faced this year from Dean Ambrose to Randy Orton. I mean, the guy's closing in on 50 years old, so it's hard to say that he's a real threat to Brock Lesnar, but physically wise, despite the fact he hasn't been in the ring in over 12 years, like you said, physically wise, I have not seen him better. 
Um, I mean, obviously, we haven't seen him in a dozen years, but he still stands tall at even 50 years old with a great physique. He dominated single-handedly every single one of those security guards on Monday night during that final face-off with Brock Lesnar. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, and it was, then, even apparently during that, though, he had come out after. I was uh, just about to say. And yeah. said that he tweaked he his injured, shoulder. Yeah. You know, and whether that's an injury or just, you know, the dust, shaking off the dust or whatever, yep. you're still not in that prime shape that you expect your body to reflexively react to these scenarios with. Yep. So are we going to see uh, Goldberg potentially injure himself in the process of doing all of this? And how is that going to play a factor into the fact that we have the beast coming with full vicious force towards Goldberg? It's, I think it, it just it screams main event. It screams main event of uh, Survivor Series. To be a survivor against Brock Lesnar has got to be at the core of what this means. But traditionally, the Survivor Series has been a 5v5 competition of teams. Now, the men's team for Survivor Series looks pretty stacked on both sides of the card. And with one subtle change to the SmackDown side of things, we have a very new kind of SmackDown team going up against a, a honestly, I would favor this, this stacked card on the Raw side of the superstars with experience and force. But then you look now at the SmackDown side with the addition of Shane O'Mac. Daniel Bryan made that uh, addition two weeks ago. How do you feel this SmackDown team looks going into a competition against Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, uh, uh, Chris Jericho, Seth Rollins, and Braun Strowman. That seems pretty stacked to go up against the SmackDown side of AJ Styles, Dean Ambrose, uh, Randy Orton, and Bray Wyatt with the addition of Shane O'Mac. Where do you th- where do you see the, the the scale tipping on this? It's hard to say. If the scale is going to tip in any favor, I think it's pretty evenly matched in almost every single aspect. But if you're going to try to shift the momentum from one team to the other, it's really hard to say. I mean, if I sat here and analyzed every aspect of the match, I'd be sitting here for an hour. But you got Shino Mack, who hasn't been in the ring since WrestleMania, but he's still an agile athlete. You have Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton, who are a cohesive unit as are Jericho, Chris Jericho, and Kevin Owens. They have the home field advantage. And Canada, there's a lot of things to you know to consider in this contest. But between the two, it's really hard because I think, as we've said before, as I've documented myself on several occasions in the past, I'm a blue brand guy. I'm a Team SmackDown guy for life. So it's hard to say I really, I think SmackDown will win. I think they could. Um, I want SmackDown to win. It's hard to say who will win, though. I think a real prediction between who I want to win and who will win is a real difference there. This doesn't seem to be an underdog story here. This is this no. is a clash of true top superstars in the company on, on either side right now. And with the streaks, the, the sheer dominance that Roman Reigns has had over his matches of recent, the, the combination, like you were saying, of KO and Jericho getting both of their matches over by that kind of teamwork. Seth Rollins certainly explosiveness and, and, and puts it to the grills of every one of these people every single week on Raw. And then you have just Braun Strowman, the monster, just wrecking crew coming through like all of this. I don't see that same type of breakdown on, on the SmackDown side of things. And I think that that's kind of what uh, Daniel Bryan was thinking, putting Shane in that position of maybe Shane is the type of person that will help motivate and organize and, and, and completely normalize all of this. But I think losing Baron Corbin, you lose a huge tool. You, you, you lose this huge resource in this big, venomous, overbearing athlete coming in with a chip on his shoulder doesn't need to survive anything. It is going to make other people suffer and and beg for their survival. I don't see Shane having that in him to go after people like that. He's very colorful. He's he's a daredevil, but that does not make you a success as a team member. Mm-hmm. You put throwing yourself in in harm's way in this scenario could cost your team the win. So without that big pillar on the team, I, I think it, it it weakens them for me. And I thought that that. Daniel Bryan had an opportunity to replace Baron Corbin with with a huge presence that would would completely round out this team. A presence, a phenomenal presence, <clears throat> if you will. <clears throat> the Undertaker. The Undertaker. <clears throat> um, and and it seems like they just missed that boat by a week. You know, had they pushed off this, this decision to the 900th episode, I think we may have seen the Undertaker in a Survivor Series setting where he himself admitted, this is where I was born. And now, 
I guess he's just going to go back to his birthplace and just check it out. <laughs> he'll just be watching from Death Valley. He's, yeah, he'll just be tuning in on the WWE <laughs> Network from the from Death his Valley. couch in Death Valley, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so that was a bit of a surprise to me. I thought if you had The Undertaker on your team, how do you lose? You how, how do you go into this and lose? I mean, all of these men would fear The Undertaker, all of them. And, and to have that force on your side in combination with Bray Wyatt, in combination with a Randy Orton following Bray Wyatt, mm-hmm. in combination with Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles getting along, how does that not work? But now you add Shane McMahon in there, and you know everyone's got a lot of respect for the guy, but at the end of the day, he's either covering your back or he's hurt on the sidelines, and, and he's not a full-time wrestler. Mm-hmm. So... I, I have to say that right now the, the, the raw side of things is looking a lot stronger. What, what, what do you think? I think so. I think you made a great point about Braun Strowman. I think if there was anyone on Team SmackDown that could have Braun Strowman in terms of size and sheer strength, it was Baron Corbin before he got injured. But then I remembered who else is on Team SmackDown. You got Bray Wyatt. And I don't think anyone knows Braun Strowman better than Bray Wyatt, the man who brought him into WWE to begin with. So that's going to be an interesting factor there. If you got the Shield members, which I completely forgot about, you got Roman and Seth on Raw, Dean Ambrose on SmackDown. How will that factor into the finish there? There's a lot of things to look out for. And also, I forgot to mention, I neglected to mention, uh, rather, the fact that Ambrose and AJ, they have a WWE title match against one another and a TLC match. Two weeks after this pay-per-view, two weeks from Sunday, they meet for the WWE title in a TLC match. Will they want to pre- you know, preserve their bodies? Will AJ walk out? You got a team captain in AJ Styles, who in the past has been a very cowardly champion. Would you want to rely on him to, to, to lead your team? But then again, the same thing can be said about Kevin Owens. So that's what I'm saying. It's very evenly matched. But I do agree. I think Raw might have the slight advantage. I mean, they got the better of Team SmackDown on Raw, and then Raw did not do anything, or rather, SmackDown did not do anything to counter that on Tuesday night. So I got to give the edge to Raw, and I do think my official prediction is that they win. I, I think I think we see Braun Strowman play a huge factor in clearing the ring. Just and, like he did on Monday. I was going to say that yeah. too. I'm sorry. I was going to say he had a great showing on Monday night. Really strong stuff. I would say between Braun Strowman and Seth Rollins, the, the rest of the Raw team is going to get the job done and make sure that everybody on SmackDown side is beaten down as much as possible. Braun Strowman's going to go through and make sure that everyone's down and Seth Rollins could be the guy to pick up the win. I think if there's going to be anybody that gets that actual final pinfall, I mean, you have to remember this is elimination rules, correct? Yes. Yes, yeah, so that final pinfall is going to go to somebody. And they are going to win that for their team, but they're also going to walk away with the definitive win and pinfall for Survivor Series. That's got to be a feather in a lot of people's caps. And that, and when you're going in, when you're all champions, when none of that matters, and you're going in, and what is on the line? Your pride for the team that you're representing, and then above all else, that you were the best of the best on that team. And who is constantly throwing down our throats that he is the man? Seth Rollins. I am predicting right now that Seth Rollins is the man pinning someone from Team SmackDown for that win. Bold prediction. I was going to say, he's been kind of overlooked. I mean, if you look at it, he was the final and fifth guy added to Team Raw. I mean, he's been kind of overlooked in, in favor of Jericho, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, as you said. Seth Rollins could really have, not a breakout performance, the guy's a former two-time WWE champion, but... I think he could be the last one standing. I'm not. I can't say he was going to be the last one. He's an architect. He's so he's so clever in these scenarios that he just reads the the situation so well that he ends up. Because if his only motivation is to be the man and be at top, then he will find that positioning and find those holes to jump in and overstep other people mm-hmm. and make sure that he's the one at the end getting that one two three. Kevin Owens doesn't need that. Kevin Owens is the universal champion. Whether he wins this match, loses this match, his team loses, he can easily blame that on somebody else. But he does not need this pinfall to prove anything to anybody. Roman Reigns, he's a champion himself. He's a U.S. champion right now. He's going to go back to thinking about being the U.S. champion as soon as this is over. Chris Jericho is obviously tethered to Kevin Owens at this point. I would be surprised if he didn't have his sights set on at least a piece of gold somewhere along the line. And Braun Strowman seems pretty content just ripping people apart. So there's really only one person on that team that I see has the motivation to want to beat Team SmackDown definitively and be the man that comes out on top that can always say, I beat you all single-handedly and these chumps just barely could carry my boots. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I could also see AJ Styles, the face that runs the place over on the blue brand, having the exact same kind of night. I think the key word there is motivation. I mean, Seth Rollins did hint at only ever so slightly. You blink and you missed it. If you, if you went to the bathroom for like five seconds, you would have missed it. Seth Rollins did say on Raw a few weeks ago that the only reason why he went to Team Raw, why he was added to Team Raw, was because there could have been the chance of him getting a future title shot down the line. So if he is the sole survivor for his team, that could lead to another match against Kevin Owens, which currently, right now, he does not earn. He does not deserve. No. He lost a Clash. He lost at Hell in the Cell. And even on the SmackDown side of things, too, that motivation for Team Raw, specifically for Seth Rollins, is kind of the equivalent to the pressure that Team SmackDown is facing right now. You mentioned it before, The Undertaker. He said, if you guys lose on Sunday, you will feel my wrath. What has that got to mean for AJ Styles? The Phenom versus Phenomenal one, maybe down the line, could be an amazing matchup, an amazing face-off of epic, you know, of epic proportions, but... AJ's got that weight on his shoulder. SmackDown is really trying to establish its own identity right now compared to Raw. Raw, like you said, like Kevin Owens, like you said, he already has something. He's already the Universal Champion. He has nothing to prove. Raw has nothing to prove. They are the flagship show. SmackDown does have something to prove, and they have to win this match on Sunday. Yes, and I don't think that that necessarily just makes them an underdog because they have something to prove. I think that they have something to prove. They're not coming in this as you know fan favorites or anything. This is the best of the best. You have something to prove. If you come out here and each one of you perform at the top level that we all know that you do, then you certainly can walk away with this win. You know, but I like like the Undertaker said, what looms in the future is is my wrath. So maybe that's <laughs> motivation in itself. Yeah, and uh, and and the the whole night is going to be stacked with match after match. We're going to be seeing more bodies on screen than we we're, we're ever used to seeing in most pay per views, and that's especially going to come down to the tag teams, which we're going to get to in a minute. But while we're talking about the men's side and we're talking about the advantages of Raw and SmackDown, the women's division is looking as heated as anything else going on on this entire card. Really uh, interesting breakdowns to finally see two full sides, two roster sides of both SmackDown and Raw, and to see what those teams now look like, seeing them in the ring a little bit this week. Tell me what your some of your thoughts are. Who do you think is going to be a major contributing factor in all of this? And is are some of the peripherals... The Dana Brooks, the you know, uh, some of these people, Natalia's, Natalia's yeah. are they going to play a bigger role in in the outcomes of these matches? They could. I mean, I think the women's match more so than anything else. I mentioned at the start of the show, none of these matches really have anything on the line other than pride, bragging rights, so on and so forth. No real like the winner gets the final spot in the Royal Rumble or the main event slot at WrestleMania. None of that right now. As, as you know, as we currently you know, talk right now. They could add that later on down the line before Sunday, whatever. That being said, though, with the women, though, this has been a banner year for women's wrestling, specifically since the brand split. SmackDown has had a well-rounded, strong women's division. But Raw still has Charlotte. They have Sasha Banks. They have Bayley. Again, a lot like what I said with the men's with the men's matchup, the, the main male matchup, in that they, they've already proven themselves. They have Nia Jax. I mean, in a Survivor Series scenario... There is nothing more valuable than having a wrecking crew in Nia Jax. And even, I would add on to that, Alicia Fox and Nia Jax could be a fantastic team-up of combos if they work on the same page. Well, they fared well on Monday. Between Alicia Fox's absolutely, you have no idea what's going to happen next kind of crazy attitude that comes into to her style of wrestling, to Nia Jax's complete brutality, the rest of the... Top-tier athletes in Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and Bailey are going to take care and make sure that that win happens. But you have two members on your team. I'm not going to call them disposable members. I You have two assets on your team that can absolutely put a hurt on key members of the SmackDown team, still get eliminated, but have their impact make a difference in the match well after they get eliminated. Because teaming up on someone like Nia Jax seems like an obvious strategy. But then you have Charlotte. Who can attack you? You know, so going after Charlotte would would normally work out just fine, but you now are flanked by the company of a mutually respecting Sasha Banks and Bailey. So how how can you throw that into a a pot and have it not get spoiled? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then on the SmackDown side, I mean uh, uh, Carmella certainly does not get along with most of the, the her team, but specifically Nikki Bella. 
Nikki Bella's looking unbelievably strong, but was just dropped on her neck this week at SmackDown. By her own teammate. By her own teammate. You know, who, and, and I don't know if you saw Talking Smack this week, I but did. Uh, uh, it certainly looked like the match that, or, or the uh, fallout from the invasion of Raw during that match certainly knocked Nikki's tooth out of place. Literally, so, yeah. Toothless aggression. The, the, it's toothless aggression coming out <laughs> of the SmackDown side, but it, it just shows that Raw is willing to come in to your house, mess you up, and walk casually out the front door. Is that what we're going to see at Survivor Series? It feels like that's where we're headed, and I don't think that Beck, that's going to sit well with Becky Lynch. You know, she wants to come out like junkyard dogs and 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 really guard their territory. But size wise, speed wise, intelligence in the ring and experience in the ring, it all gets superseded by the the, the raw side of things. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the experience on on Team SmackDown side, even even with tenured vets like Nikki Bella and Naomi. You know, they certainly have a shot at, at, at being competitive, but how do they get the competitive edge over Charlotte? How, how, does, how, does any of, how does anyone on the SmackDown team get over on Raw? I mean, you mentioned it right there on Talking Smack. You watch it back. You got two separate groups of women. It was all six girls, including Natalia, who was going to be the mascot coach, whatever they want to call her. It was Natalia, Nikki Bella, and I think Becky Lynch on one side. And then it was Naomi kind of with Carmella and Alexa Bliss. Yeah, Naomi pretty much in the middle being a tweener between everything. And Mm -hmm. then you start going down the grayscale of of bad to worse. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And then, but on Raw, uh, with the Raw women's team on SmackDown, they stood tall. It really shows a sense of cohesiveness when you can get Bailey, the most wholesome women's wrestler I've ever seen in my life, to join in on you on a five-on-one attack. I'm just a total beatdown, totally out of character. This threw me, this, this like kind of shook me up a little bit to watch Bailey, the most respectful of the women competitors, one of the most respectful competitors in all of pro wrestling, the, the ultimate hugger herself, coming in f- with a total out-of-nowhere, jumping-the-guardrails beatdown in the middle of the ring with no, not even a blink of remorse when she commits to something. And that, that actually sh- proved to me that she could be ready to take on Charlotte for that title. If she's that cold and remorseless and, and will fight for her team if asked to do so, then we have just seen the beginning of what Bailey's capable of. I think so. I think a, I think a title shot is in her future. You add in the fact that she beat... Charlotte's former protege, Dana Brooke, at Hell in the Cell. I think it's only inevitable before she gets another title shot. No, and, and she's looking as strong as ever. And, and, and I dare say, now seeing that side of her, I don't see how Sasha Banks, in her recent streak of things, could necessarily say that she has the automatic one-up on Bailey. Mm-hmm. So that's this team is just so strong right now. And maybe it's because they've got an extra pay-per-view in them. And maybe it's because they've they've gotten some more spots because Raw is a longer show, to get more in-ring time, to get out and, and do some of these things. But certainly more in-team fighting on the SmackDown side, and I think it is going to cause an implosion and nothing but finger-pointing. And I just, no one was listening to Natty on Talking Smack, and no one will continue listening to Natty <laughs> as, as things go forward. And I totally disagree with Mick Foley's assessment on uh, the state of the WWE address that Natalia automatically should have been on that team. And Daniel Bryan was claiming that, you know, that's just how you attitude era people think that only your vets should be on top and only your vets should be here. So, but what has she done for us lately though? Yeah. Well, and so, so to turn another coin, I mean, certainly most or you know, most of the raw side is more veteran than most of the SmackDown side. So, you know, does this belief, this belief in your talent and wanting to see them, you know, dig down deep and come out on top in this match, does that give them the edge? I I want to say that SmackDown has a fighting chance. They definitely have a fighting chance, but I'm going to go ahead and lean. I'm going to lean on uh, uh, Team Raw here, and I'm going to say that Charlotte ends up picking up the final pin victory. As the sole survivor? As, As the only sole survivor? The sole survivor over Nikki Bella. Okay, okay. Well, she's the team captain overall, so I could see that. I'm, I'm, I'm still surprised that Nikki Bella is the captain over Becky Lynch. I'm not sure what went into that thinking. Maybe Becky was still hurt at the time. I don't really remember. But Because I think this is going to be more about raw women's 
taking dominance over the entire division, over the entire company, over all of women's wrestling. Charlotte, this is her moment. This would be the feather in the cap to be like, not only am I champ, but I beat. I was the last woman standing at Survivor Series. No one can touch me. This is what Charlotte needs to prove right now, that she can win everything and continue to keep pulling out those wins on top of the best talent out there. And I don't think she needs to to, to beat you know, uh, SmackDown's women's champion Becky Lynch to prove that. I think it will be somebody like Nikki Bella or maybe even like Naomi who are, had the experience and, and went. And that's what makes a Charlotte victory at Survivor Series even more meaningful if she beats someone with true tenured experience. Mm-hmm. That says it all. That just puts you leaps and bounds above everybody else and no one can touch you. And may, people might claw their way. An underdog like Bailey might get that opportunity to face you one-on-one for that title, but the doubt is always going to be on the opposing side. And that's what I think Charlotte has to gain from Survivor Series, and I think that if she plays her cards right and continues being the smart competitor that she is, that she's going to come out on top like that. Uh, whether I'm rooting for Team Raw or not, I'm, I tend to be more of a blue brand guy like you. I really think that between uh, Alexa Bliss and and Becky Lynch, you have two pillars there that could possibly take it all. <laughs> Just the two of them mm-hmm. in cahoots working together in sync. I think that they could totally take out, you know, even Nia Jax and, and, and three quarters of the rest of the Raw team. Just one of them alone. Wouldn't it be fitting if Charlotte, as you said, was the last one to beat Nikki Bella, considering their history? I mean, you go back to last September, she beat Nikki Bella to win her premier Divas Championship here in the WWE. Exactly. And she's been on top ever since. You look at that whopping pay-per-view record. She has lost maybe one or two matches that were non-title, like tag team matches or whatever. But in title matches, she's been undefeated. You're saying the last woman standing on the Team Raw on Team Raw on Sunday, she was the last person standing, period, to hell in the cell only three weeks ago yep. in the main event of the pay-per-view inside Satan's structure against one of the most talented women's wrestlers in recent memory over Sasha Banks. How is she not ra- how is she not riding a wave of momentum right now? How does she not win on Sunday? And that's just it. Is that <laughs> you, you you're looking at a the the outlier here, the unstoppable force just continuing to make history moment after top five star moment after every everything, you know, getting your belt back, constantly being on top, proving that you are the best at, at this game than better than anyone else. And that seems to be Charlotte Flair right now. So scales are going to tip. I think it's going to go to Raw, and uh, and I'm I'm predicting that Charlotte is going to be on top. So it, it it will be really interesting to see where we go from there. But that is not all that Survivor Series has to offer. There is quite a bit more that we're going to get into. But first, we are going to be going and talking a little bit about NXT that's coming up. Ever so fast. Now, when it comes to NXT, there has been a lot of buildup to its main event. But we've also seen a lot of controversy surrounding a lot of the matches that are just, you know, going to fill out the rest of the card. So, Graham, without further ado, give give us the whole rundown of everything NXT. Only mere days ahead of NXT TakeOver Toronto, we had three blockbuster matches on Wednesday night with everyone preparing for what should be a blockbuster night in Toronto on Saturday night. So we kicked off the night with women's action. Liv Morgan taking on arch-rival, one half of her arch-rivals, Peyton Royce, in a pretty good matchup, Liv Morgan faring her own, but she was against all odds, against Billy Kay at ringside, Peyton Royce in the ring. Billy Kay got involved, causing Liv Morgan to win via disqualification. Out came Aaliyah, and then the X-Factor, Ember Moon, who has, again, as we said before, been riding a wave of momentum since TakeOver Brooklyn back in August. It's 3-2 to two in favor of Ember Moon, Liv Morgan, and Leah against Peyton Royce and Billy Kay. They're looking for a third member, a match that is yet to be confirmed for TakeOver, but I'm sure it could be confirmed in the days ahead. So after that, we had Elias Sampson, the drifter I know, Tom's favorite wrestler, making a return to NXT on Wednesday night. For the first time in over six months, the return was none other than the drifter himself, Elias Sampson, making short work of Nathan Cruz. Nothing seems to have been changed about Elias Sampson, pretty much the same standard uh, you know, moniker that we saw back in May. We'll see where he goes from here. He will not be a part of TakeOver as of right now, but... 
You never know. Uh, last night in Boston, he did a rendition of Freebird, so you never really know what we could hear in Boston come Saturday. Maybe a quick uh, intermission break from Elias Sampson. And then the main event, in between all the video packages promoting the main event and several matches confirmed for TakeOver on Saturday, the main event of Wednesday show was none other than Andrade Cien Almas taking on the incomparable Cedric Alexander, which was absolutely an excellent match, even better than their initial encounter a little over a month ago. But this is a different Almas than we've seen in the past, though. A very, very different Almas. Different side, much more aggression, showing no remorse, cheating to pick up the victory, beating Cedric Alexander, a certified Raw superstar, to score the victory and boost his own momentum, heading into TakeOver, proving that he should have been in the card on Saturday. And again, a lot like everyone else in this show, he very well might be. Uh, come TakeOver on Saturday. So a very well-rounded show. I'm looking forward to what TakeOver should bring in Toronto. Now, one big thing that TakeOver is going to bring is going to bring hopefully a conclusion between Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe. This is something that has been building for months and months and months. And while we've seen a ton of uh, 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 competitive spirit come out of Samoa Joe in all of this, who has but one mission to regain his NXT title. Any any title is, is going to do for Samoa Joe, but the top title is usually what he go, he's going for. <laughs> what, what do you think about uh, Shinsuke Nakamura defending his title against this type of a bloodthirsty Samoa Joe? You think about it, when ever since Joe won the championship the first time, back in April, six, seven months ago at this point, he was dangerous even then. He was dangerous heading into the Brooklyn match back in August. But losing the championship made him that much more dangerous. You look on the, you look at the path of destruction. This guy has been on taking out Dan Matha, some other guys, the Blue Brothers. I think their names were I forgot who they were, but a bunch of no name guys, the Hype Bros. This guy has destroyed pretty much everybody in the last number of months since uh, losing the NXT Championship in August. So I can only imagine what else you know we could see from Samoa Joe in the days ahead before he goes up against Shinsuke Nakamura. But this is a definite different Samoan submission machine, and Nakamura's got his you know work cut out for him as well. Well, NXT take over Toronto is going to start tomorrow at 8 p.m. on the WWE Network, and it is a pretty stacked-looking show. I mean, uh, one of the matches I'm looking most forward to, uh, two matches that I, I think are at the top for me. One is Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe. The other is actually going to be the conclusion of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classics. This is going to be the final. This is TM61 taking on the Authors of Pain. Um, I'm very... I'm very surprised by the entire direction that the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic has taken this year. I'm shocked to see TM61 and the Authors of Pain end up at the final conclusion of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Are you shocked by this? Are you shocked that these are, out of all the tag teams currently existing, including, you know, Every uh, well, including you know some of the teams that have broken up because of this. You know, uh, Bobby Roode uh, certainly being among uh, those people. Bobby Roode and Ty Dillinger. Uh, what do you what do you think? Do you, did you expect to see teams like TM61 and Authors of Pain be in the final contention to win such a prestigious match? Authors of Pain, yes, just because they beat American Alpha, they beat TM61. They have been on a roll ever since they arrived in NXT many months ago. And with the tutelage under the tutelage of uh, of Paul Ellering of all people, I did not not expect them, if that makes any sense, to get to the finals of the tournament. However, TM61 were total dark horses. I don't think anyone saw them getting out of the first, much less second round, and they're in the finals. They've been kind of keeping quiet ever since they came to NXT in the spring. But they're a really exciting tag team. And that's kind of how Gargano and Ciampa started out. And they're one of the premier tag teams in the division right now. So honestly, going ahead here, they're my pick to win. I think TM61 will be the first team to upset the Authors of Pain and take home the trophy this year. I absolutely agree. I think as far as teamwork goes, TM61 have come at each match in this entire tag team classic with a different strategy. They have prepared like for this like the Patriots prepare for every team that they play on Sunday. It has been a balance of preparation and athleticism and competition. And they, they don't pride themselves like American Alpha does necessarily on their technical wrestling prowess and, the, and their energy in the ring. They, they do seem like they have a tag team strategy going into each of their opponents. And the authors of pain have shown their hand too many times. They, they, they do what they do and they do it very well, but they don't really deviate. 
from that. And I think that that is why TM61 is going to end up getting the win is because the Authors of Pain are going to come in with their standard game plan. They're going to standard expect to beat a team like TM61, walk out of this pretty unscathed, very easy. But I think TM61 has their number on this because they have been studying them throughout the entire competition and before that. So they certainly have a lot of preparation to do in order to pull all of that off and have it go successfully. But barring an injury or anything worse, knock on wood, I think TM61, I think you're right, TM61 is going to take this. And that will be a great conclusion uh, and, and and pay great tribute to the late, great Dusty Rhodes, um, who uh, I think, um, especially this year, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic by name um, didn't quite get the um, the sentiment across of how much Dusty really contributed to wrestling as a business and specifically NXT as a business. It was used more as a video package. It was used more as a trophy. And here's what we're all working towards, this trophy. And, and, and much like the Andre the Giant trophy, it's just an Andre the Giant trophy in name. They didn't spend, in my opinion, enough time going into detail about the depths at which a person like Dusty Rhodes cared and would continue to appreciate something like this. They didn't. We didn't see anything from any of du- uh, Dusty's sons uh, or his family this year regarding any of it. And I hope that that's not a telling sign of, of how people remen- remember Dusty Rhodes. It's not just about a comp- competitive trophy, t- tag team, bracket, whatever. This is about what Dusty, uh, the spirit of pro wrestling, the spirit of fun, the spirit of excitement and entertainment and everything that goes into this business should be on display. And if TM61 and the Authors of Pain believe in that spirit and and believe in the history and legacy of what Dusty Rhodes has done for this business, then this match could be the match that steals the show, or it should be, if they if they put that kind of heart into it. I think a large part of why TakeOver Respect last year was so good was because of the effort they put into the video packages, the trophy. The presentation afterward was absolutely exceptional. It's and very ho- touching. And I hope we see something similar this year. I know Cody Rhodes is no longer the organization. Oh, a quick prediction. Do you think Cody shows up for the for the post-match celebration or maybe just Dustin? I, I would say if anyone, it would be it would be Dustin. It would be Goldust. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that uh, Cody Rhodes... Um, has certainly made his has his own uh, schedule and his own life going on outside of the WWE and I, I would think that this doesn't necessarily have much to do with him and his father as it does to do with Dusty's contributions towards the business of and course if Dusty if, if Goldust wanted to to make an appearance to, to pay tribute like I'm sure no one would stop him and, and and people would be thrilled about that but if he didn't then I think the responsibility then lies on general manager William Regal to come out and, and it appropriately and the people closest to Dusty appropriately lay out on the line how this man affect and all the hard work and sacrifice that he made in his personal life and in his professional life for this business and why a tag team tournament can represent a person going into the future and how important memory and, and your memory of those people can be so. Uh, a, a really meaningful match coming out of that. Um, not only just high levels of competition there. So that'll be that'll be really great. But one of the fallouts from the Tag Team Classic, one of the fallouts going on there was uh, uh, Bobby Roode turning his back on the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, thus leading up to a moment now here at TakeOver in Toronto where we will see Ty Dillinger hopefully uh, knock a little bit of the chip off of Bobby Roode's shoulder wouldn't that be glorious? What do you think? It would be absolutely glorious. I, I don't know who I'm rooting for here. I'm a big glorious guy, but I'm also a big perfect 10 guy too, so it's really hard to decide, hard, hard to say who I'm siding with here. But again, a match that on paper, if you told me two, three months ago that it was happening at a takeover, I would have said, really? But then again, I would have underestimated NXT's ability to make something out of nothing. Rude has been just that glorious since arriving in NXT. Ty Dillinger, for a guy that was really the stepping stone for everyone else, from Apollo Crews, Andrade Almas, so on and so forth. Everyone else who has come through NXT has stepped through Ty Dillinger. We saw the video package on Wednesday. This guy was a part of the ECW brand eight freaking years ago. And this is finally his time to prove that he is everything that he says he is. A perfect 10. Perfect 10. I I am rooting for Ty Dillinger all the way here. He really put his heart 
into the type of mentality that I was just talking about with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and was approached by Bobby Roode to be part of a glorious team. And I think Ty really believed in that and he said, okay, if, if, if you really want to run alongside the perfect 10, I think that this matchup makes sense. I think that we could have something here. What he didn't, what he underestimated in Bobby Roode was how much Bobby Roode cares about Bobby Roode and nobody else. And I think that we're going to see some more of that tonight. I think if this, the the scales start tipping in Ty Dillinger's way, do we see Bobby Roode just walk out and not 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 care about yeah. the, about the finish here? Yeah, because he he's just going to walk away and be glorious about it and 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 claim that Ty Dillinger. You know, uh, he had his chance, and that was a nice little outing. But I, I'm I'm getting bored with running around with this. And Ty Dillinger is going to come out, I think, with a little bit of a vendetta to hurt Bobby Roode and knock that chip off his shoulder. So I expect to see Ty Dillinger come out on top, one way or the other. But I do fear that this is going to end in, in basically a no contest or a disqualification scenario. So. It could, or a count out. I mean, you said it right there, and it's funny you said that. Um, I'll give you a bit of a preview, a bit of a sneak peek here. They did that match last night. NXT Boston. They did Ty Dillinger versus Bobby Roode, and Bobby Roode did attempt to walk out. And I will say this, Saturday, this was Boston, okay? The entire time, the crowd is chanting 10. So when the referee was counting out Bobby Roode, like one, and instead of saying one or two or three, people were chanting 10 the entire time. Instead of saying one, two, three, like for the count, they were going 10, 10, 10. oh, 10. Like that was what the entire match consisted of, and it was so much fun. And that was Boston. We are in Toronto on Saturday, but that's it. I wanted to, I wanted to point that out because great point, great point to make because house shows do make a huge difference in the world of NXT, and what you're seeing there is not necessarily just a preview, not just a trial run of what this could be. You are seeing the shadows of what is going to shape Bobby Roode's decision one way or another. Does he walk away? Is there a count out involved? Is there a disqualification, and then he walks away so he doesn't have to put up with chanting like that? We don't know. It's so easy to reach under the apron, pull out a chair, and hit someone over the back with it. He that, tried to do that too, dude. I, I'm a prophet. I, ha- I have <laughs> visions is what it is. I'm, I'm the Nostradamus of the WWE. But uh, I, I, I feel like that is very much in his wheelhouse and very much a part of his mentality going into this, to walk away glorious before anything can blemish him truly going forward. Uh, interesting to hear that that is the experience that you saw in Boston. It was great, Dan. Very, very cool. Another very cool element to this whole show is going to be NXT Tag Team Champions, The Revival, are going to be going up against the combination, the do-it-yourself mentality of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano in a two-out-of-three-falls match. Down and dirty, this could be the the bare-knuckle brawling all-out match that we see on TakeOver. Do you think we see blood? Are we are we going to get that hardcore about it? Like, is what is what is the revival going to do to really put a hurt on Tommaso and, uh, and Gargano? Hey, they're the top guys. They're going to do whatever it takes. They have done everything it has taken to take down Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. They beat them down in Brooklyn. And DIY got right back up. They refused to give up. They are still chasing those tag team titles. They've been in NXT for almost a year now and have had yet to hold those titles. But Saturday, they have their prime opportunity to take home the twin titles for the first time ever. Um, and, and what should be an exhilarating match. It is two out of three falls. And you look at the amount of, you know, what what has history taught us with two out of three falls matches in NXT? The Revival won one a couple months ago against American Alpha on NXT. They have history in that environment. Sami Zayn and Cesaro. They know the endurance exactly. that is needed. And are we seeing here... Old school wrestling versus new school mentality. Are we seeing the revival who take their 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 uh, essence and, and their motivations from the classic examples in pro wrestling and the brutality of the brawlers that came before them versus Ciampa and Gargano, who are very much the high flying, body risking, high risk everything mentality of DIY. Do it yourself. Do everything yourself. Go out and give five stars every single time. The Revival seem to be willing to chop away at that, and they certainly have the endurance to do so. So do you see this as an old school versus new school mentality, or is this is this simply just two pillars of the tag team community and, and what will become the new era of tag teams going at it? 
A little bit of both. I would say more so the former just because it's very, I love that you brought that up. The fact that DIY, the, the high-flying mentality, the daredevil mentality of those guys, but that's what cost them the win. The cost them the championships in Brooklyn. Gargano flying everywhere, injured his knee, only days after, days removed from their match, uh, Ciampa and Gargano against each other in the Cruiserweight Classic. That's what cost them the match. They targeted that knee, forced Gargano to tap out, and it was all over. If they do the same thing on Sunday, they need, like you said, they need that endurance. Revival have that experience factor. Gargano and Ciampa have great endurance. We've seen that before. That We've seen them have 20-minute matches in NXT in the Cruiserweight Classic. But they need to maintain their momentum and their composure here. It's not winning just one fall. They need to win two to take home those titles. And the Revival can get themselves DQ'd. It doesn't matter because they can hold on to the championships regardless. So DIY has a lot to prove. And if they can't win here after losing in Brooklyn and on Toronto and in Toronto, the real question is where do they go from there? Yes, where do they go from there? And 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 that will be it will be very telling to see what the landscape of tag team wrestling looks like in NXT after specifically that match. The the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, I feel is a league outside of what's happening here with the tag team champions. And I'm I'm glad that NXT is able to build both distinctions to have their own weight, to have very clear definitions as to why both of these matches are taking place on one show and they feel very much worthy of sharing the same show together. So it'll be interesting to see all after all of the, all is said and done with the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and the winner of the Revival versus DIY, uh, two out of three falls to see who the champion really is after all of this. Does I think that this reshapes the landscape of NXT tag teams going forward, and I'm very excited to see that happen at the ground level of the WWE Performance Center. Very cool, very awesome to see. And last but not least, women's champion Asuka will be taking on Mickey James, defending her NXT Women's Championship. What do we know about Mickey James going into this match? Not much. I mean, she really wasn't, they didn't really put much focus, which I thought was interesting on this match, or Mickey James on Wednesday. They focused on essentially every other match confirmed for the card on Saturday, except for Asuka and Mickey James. We know everything about Asuka. For a woman that's an enigma, we know that she's undefeated. She's been NXT Women's Champion since April. She's beaten Alexa Bliss, Nia Jax, Carmella, Bailey twice, which is something that I don't think many people can say. Mickey James, we know a lot about her. She's a former Women's Champion, Divas Champion, future Hall of Famer, but she hasn't been in a WWE ring in almost six or seven years. She's got that ring rust. This is her first match back. It's not like she wrestled a few warm-up matches on NXT TV or even at the house shows. We really don't know much about Mickey James coming into this match, which is why I feel Asuka has the edge in their contest. I have to absolutely agree. And and do you feel that there's anyone else on the women's division in NXT that, that should have deserved this opportunity more so than a returning veteran like Mickey James? Currently, no. I would agree as with that as well. But But I do think that this is a... I mean, it's weird to call Mickey James a stepping stone, but I think it's a it's an attraction for Toronto. For Mickey James to come back, face off against Asuka, I think she loses, Asuka retains the title, her undefeated streak remains intact, and then you build to a big, I don't want to say dream match, but probably the biggest match they can do with the women right now in NXT, Asuka and Ember Moon, hopefully over WrestleMania weekend. They kind of teased it last night, last night at the show, they did Asuka, Ember Moon, and Peyton Royce in a triple threat for the title, and they had a brief face-off, and the place went nuts. As soon as they set their sights on each other, the place went nuts. And we don't know much about Ember Moon, but from what we've seen from her so far, she's really freaking good. No, and I have to agree with all of that, and I think that uh, the fact that Mickey James has this opportunity is not something that takes away from everyone else no, on the women's side. absolutely not. I think, rather, it says more about your champion, your NXT Women's Champion, Asuka. What it says about NXT Women's Champion, Asuka, is that they're, uh, they're running the well dry on competitors that they can put, worthy competitors they can put in front of Asuka that can actually go toe-to-toe with Asuka. And maybe Ember Moon eventually will be the person to dethrone Asuka, the Empress of Tomorrow, from holding that prestigious title, but not anytime soon, and certainly not this weekend at NXT Toronto TakeOver. Mickey James has a resume of being a champion, therefore she does deserve a shot at this if she's going to step in the ring, and it doesn't take away from anyone else on the roster. It certainly speaks more to Asuka's credit as far as how heavy of a competitor that she is. 
I'm going to give this to Asuka. I think that time and again, she has proven that she is the go-to champion at NXT every single time. And we are just going to take a quick break and we're going to jump back into the conclusion. Some very high stipulations, high stakes matches coming out of Survivor Series to round out the card. We will be right back. All right, you are listening to Next Era Wrestling. Next Era Wrestling Zone, Wrestle Rant Radio. You can listen to us online at nextera-wrestling.net. We are talking all things WWE, focusing on Survivor Series and NXT TakeOver. We just recapped on NXT TakeOver. Some big matches with some big stipulations behind them uh, coming to round out this Survivor Series card here. Take your pick between the two, and we can start with that. Whether you think that WWE Cruiserweight Champion Brian Kendrick taking on SmackDown's Kalisto with the stipulation that if Kalisto wins SmackDown Live, gets the entire Cruiserweight division as proposed by Raw General Manager Mick Foley, taken up by SmackDown General Manager Daniel Bryan, or is the stipulation between Intercontinental Champion, new Intercontinental Champion The Miz, after winning the Intercontinental Champion back from Dolph Ziggler, Ziggler on the 900th episode of SmackDown Live this week. The Miz, the new SmackDown Intercontinental Champion representing the blue brand versus Sami Zayn with the stipulation that if Sami Zayn wins, the Intercontinental Championship goes to Raw. Which match out of these two stipulations to you feels the most dire and has the most amount of weight for what is at stake? I know more bodies are at stake in the Cruiserweight matchup. You get a lot of surplus of superstars on SmackDown if Kalista wins. You get at least 10 or 15 new guys on the blue brand. But I think the Intercontinental Championship, the Cruiserweight title's only been around for a month or two. The Intercontinental Championship has prestige dating back to 1976. This has been around a long, long time. And whatever brand gets that belt, in addition to the United States Championship on Raw... It's going to be a big deal if that belt goes to Monday night's property, you know, thanks to Sami Zayn. So I think that match is bigger, in my opinion. I absolutely agree. And I think that Sami Zayn is one of the only men on the, on the, on the, men, on the uh, male side of the roster that has enough fire to fight for that belt more than anyone else. Just as much as fire as Dolph Ziggler put into to, into getting it out of the Miz's hands and and really becoming a true Intercontinental Champion, Sami Zayn is is just dying to take something and run with it. And and I think that the Intercontinental Championship around his uh, on his shoulder and around his waist is going to make him the future champion that I think a lot of us believe he could be. And this is this is where it starts the, a high stakes match where not only is there personal gain. But there is a huge benefit for you being the guy that brought the Intercontinental, prestigious Intercontinental Championship back to your side of the fence. I think that that sets a lot of things in motion for Sami Zayn going forward. A lot of things that The Miz does not have any motivation to accomplish anymore. He has thrown out in recent months that he is a, he was a WrestleMania main eventer and he has held this title and the Intercontinental title and been this kind and this great. And what have you done for me lately, Miz? You won the Intercontinental Championship back. Fantastic, but you haven't done anything new. You've you've held this belt before. You've proven that you can attain this level. Is your focus there? Is your focus on protecting this belt so it doesn't leave SmackDown? No, that has no motivation for him. He, he's at so much contentious odds that he's constantly poking at Daniel Bryan to see if he's actually going to get traded or if Daniel Bryan has the guts to even follow through with figuring out how that plan could work. So he shows no allegiance to SmackDown in any way. And at the end of the day, he's willing to you know, let the title go before, you know, getting socked in the face too many times or getting a luva kick right to his, right to his face. I'm sure the moneymaker, instead of getting a luva kick right to the moneymaker, he would just walk away and, and, and be fine forfeiting in the title at the end of the day and making some other deal and having his agents go and, and, and work something else out down the line. He'll, he'll be fine. But that's why I see Sami Zayn has way more motivation. And I agree. I think it to not, 
consider this the highest stipulation on the card would be an undersight or an overstatement. So uh, I, I think Sami Zayn ha- has every tool in his kit to win this and take the Intercontinental Championship back to Raw. Um, but that is not to say that we couldn't see the Cruiserweight Championship jump ship and the entire Cruiserweight division go to SmackDown Live, something that I'm sure Mauro Ranallo would be very excited to have on their brand. And perhaps they are fortifying themselves to prepare for this by adding Tom Phillips to the announce crew as your host for SmackDown Live. Uh, Maybe with all of the extra elements added to the show, they're preparing themselves to try and, and be ahead of that. Uh, but is that maybe too forward thinking? I mean, Brian Kendrick beat TJ Perkins and has been on top of the cruiserweight division for a long time now. He certainly uh, has put uh, the grills to uh, Sin Cara. Is Kalisto uh, for you know they they were both former Lucha Dragons together. Is Kalisto an unknown for Brian Kendrick? Kalisto has has been a champion in his own right. Just a bit. I mean, Kalisto's just coming back from injury. Like you said, Kendrick, in the time that Kalisto's been gone, Kendrick has been, you know, kicking ass in the Cruiserweight Classic. He's been taking the title in the division on Raw, been pretty much running rampant on Raw since he returned a few months ago. Kalisto beat One Larkin, which was a fun match, and it was an impressive win, but really that's it. He injured Baron Corbin. What else have you done for me lately, Kalisto? I mean, I think he's got an edge. I think he's got a lot more to prove than Kendrick. I think Kendrick wants to keep the division on Raw, whereas a guy like Miz couldn't care less. Brian was on the verge of, of trading him to Raw a week ago, and now he wants Miz to win to keep the title on SmackDown. Miz does not care. Kalisto has all the motivation in the world in bringing all of his friends, including his former Lucha Dragons partner, over to SmackDown, and he can pick up another championship win in the process. It's a win-win for him. He gets a big boost on SmackDown by bringing the division over to Tuesday nights. He gets another title reign, and he's got his buddy back with him too. Kalisto's got everything to gain and nothing to lose. And with all of the different types of uh, tag matches that the Cruiserweight uh, division has uh, been throwing on every card, having the Lucha Dragons come back together and be a force to be reckoned with within the Cruiserweight division would certainly make this championship reign, give give it a leg up. And put a put a little bit bit of a brighter tone into the cruiserweights that Brian Kendrick has uh, kind of stomped on a little bit like a cigarette on the ground, just putting it out with his foot. Is basically how Brian Kendrick treats the rest of the cruiserweight division. But you can't take away from a man with a plan, and I would I would believe that he's going to be coming into this match with a pretty good plan to go up against Kalisto here. So um, I don't know. Do I personally want to see the cruiserweights jump ship and go to SmackDown? Absolutely. Hell yes. 100%. That, 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 more of that. <laughs> um, do I think that Brian Kendrick can absolutely stomp on Kalisto and have a plan enough to, to maybe even re-injure him and send him out for another uh, six months or so? I, I also think that Brian Kendrick is always underestimated. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I'm going to still hold out hope and hope that Kalisto pulls it out gets the title, and we see brand new competition coming to SmackDown Live. That would be just the best. I don't think it could work out any better with the debut of the new WWE 205 Live show premiering, I think, not next week, but I think the week afterwards, which airs right after SmackDown anyway. Have them compete on SmackDown, compete on the show afterwards. I think it really works out well for pretty much anybody. And I know it's Raw's a loss, but it's a big gain for SmackDown. And SmackDown has been killing it since the brand split. I think adding the Cruiserweights back home, where they called home for many years in the early 2000s, I think really only makes sense. And Kalisto can be a great leader for that division on Tuesday night. So I got to agree. Not only do I want Kalisto to win, I think he will win as well. Absolutely. I'm right there with you on that. And last but not least, going into Survivor Series, a 20-man Tag team traditional Survivor Series matchup. This is more tag teams than we and officially formed tag teams than we have seen in maybe any other era of the WWE um, across the tag teams on Raw and SmackDown and the tag team division brewing in NXT. I just don't think there has been this much of an emphasis on tag team wrestling in years and years. And now we are seeing real teams with real team names, real a lot of a lot of synergy coming together, not just pairings of solo superstars and singles competition athletes deciding to team up because Survivor Series is coming. These are established teams that have been 
part of the thread and fabric of the WWE universe for the last at least two plus years with all of the teams participating. Let's just run down the line a little bit here. On uh, the SmackDown side, we have the Hype Bros. We have the Usos. We have American Alpha, Brizongo, who is Dark Horse in my corner. I'm, I'm, I'm big fans of them. And then we have your champions in Rhino and Heath Slater. That's a pretty, pretty well-rounded card between... Um, the tactics that the Usos bring to the mix and, and, and their kind of strategy that goes into everything and the, the the technical prowess of American Alpha mixed with the hype of the hype bros and obviously your champions and Brizongo and Tyler Breeze, total outliers. You can discredit them all you want because of the way that they act at the end of the day when they get in that ring, they're going to put a hurt on you and they're going to laugh in your face and call you an uggo. That's just how it's going to be. It's going to be pretty demoralizing when you get in the ring with both of them. But that's not to say that the demoralization is not going to come right back at them from the likes of Raw's Gallows and Anderson. You have the Shining Stars, also a team that that people do underestimate. The, an underestimated team like Cesaro and Sheamus as well. You know, I think that these are the moments where they put aside any of that bickering, put aside any of that infighting, and, and focus on hurting other people in order to win and put that feather in their cap. You have Enzo and, and Cass, and you have the New Day rounding out the raw side now obviously the, the new day brings a, like a one person numbers advantage to the whole equation and everything like that but traditionally they haven't played a huge role in winning matches that way so i wouldn't expect to see too much out of that but when there are no rules and anything goes anything goes and a one-man advantage is a one-man advantage i think that does tip the scales in raw's favor you have the longest reigning tag team champions. You have the brutality of Gallows and Anderson. You have Cesaro on your team. You have Cesaro on your team. And, <laughs> Say no more. And you also have Cesaro on your team. It's going to be a good day. You got a seven foot tall ass kicker in big cast. You have people to run around and distract like Enzo. And you have Sheamus. Just a person that willing to throw his body on the line and put all of his force into every single punch. He's and been a sole survivor before as well. Whether he gets eliminated or not, again, he's one of those people that you're going to be feeling the effects of his impact in the ring after he's eliminated and gone. So I think it's going to fall on the shoulders of American Alpha and Usos and the Usos really getting together on this and hopefully tapping in and reining in uh, some of Mojo Raleigh's energy and putting it to a focused use. And then I think that they maybe have a chance, but with the fact that teams can get eliminated, with the fact that teams have to depart the ringside area, it gives a numbers advantage and it gives a, a, a mentality motivation to all of this. Given all of that, Graham, what do you see in this match? What's important to focus on here? I think once New Day is gone, if they're not the last ones eliminated, it's going to be a big... I think SmackDown has it in the bag by that point. Because once you get rid of the three-man team from Raw and the longest reigning tag team champions almost in the entire company's history in a couple weeks, it's a SmackDown pretty much has it in the bag, which I feel like is why SmackDown will win. I mean, I hate to keep on going back to the entire trope, but SmackDown has more cohesiveness than Raw does. On Raw, New Day and Club hate each other. Enzo and Cass and Club hate each other. No one likes the Shining Stars. Cesaro and Sheamus do not even like each other, and they're a tag team. On SmackDown this week, I mean, American Alpha and the Usos have never really gotten along, but they worked, they put their differences aside on Tuesday to come together for a common cause and win that 10-man or 16-man tag team match. Then you've got Slater and Rhino, who have some great cohesiveness. Brazongo, some dark horses. They've been a fun tag team to watch as of late. And the Hypers of well, who are also always very fun to watch. So... Team SmackDown's my pick in this match. I, I'm going to break the streak. I said Raw for the main males match and the women's match. For this one, I'm going with Team SmackDown. I'm going to go with Team SmackDown as well. I think this is the underdog story here. I think the 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 work that all of these teams have put in to focusing on the tradition of tag team wrestling has more to do with the SmackDown side than anyone on the Raw side. Cesar and Sheamus, they're not a tag team. They're they're barely getting along. The Shining Stars are are hype men at best. <laughs> and then you look at the actual hype men of the WWE, Enzo and Cass, and their l winning streak is is not existent currently. <laughs> Does not currently exist. <laughs> yep. um, and then between, uh, you can't put everything here on the shoulders of the New Day and the club to take care of. And the club have already made very clear intentions that they're not exactly happy being part of any of this to begin with. 
willing to walk away from it all, don't care if we win or lose. I'm going to have to deal with you people on Monday anyway. So what does that mean? I think that the club certainly looks at this as not even a stepping stone, an opportunity. If they were the last team standing and, and they made a point, what point would they care to even make? But on the SmackDown side, even a team like Brizongo would have a point to make in winning this match definitively for their for their brand. And Getting that, one step closer I'm to the tag team titles. The way that Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon look at things and the way that they book matches week to week on SmackDown Live, you got to believe if someone on the SmackDown side of things that isn't Slater and Rhino are the last team in the ring and they get the win for SmackDown, you got to believe that there's a real good chance that they're going to be going up against the tag team champions at TLC. You have to, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I feel like with the tag teams here, New Day pretty much have a stranglehold on the entire tag team division on Raw. They've been champions for 450 days, whatever the heck it's been. They're getting closer to breaking their record come December. On SmackDown, if Brazongo win, they get a title shot. American Alpha, Usos, Hypros. All teams that have been largely out of the title picture as of late, other than the Usos. And I think American Alpha, I'll go off on a limb here, and I will say, not Slater and Rhino, but American Alpha will be among the sole survivors in this match on Sunday. Oh, interesting. So you think that... In Toronto of all places, which makes no sense, but I feel like American <laughs> Alpha will win. <laughs> all right. To, to see American Alpha come out on top, do you think that that earns them an immediate opportunity at the title? Easily, easily. For some reason, I feel like the Usos will reestablish themselves as threats to those titles, building to hopefully, I'm hoping, to rekindle that rivalry between the Usos and American Alpha. We get Slater and Rhino, Usos and American Alpha in some sort of triple threat tag team title match at TLC. Hopefully in a ladder match environment. Rhino would kill it in that environment. Slater would, American Alpha, you know, would. And the Usos were in a triple threat tag team title match, ladder match, last December at TLC. And they killed it there, too. So um, that's what I'm hoping. And I'm, we're kind of looking ahead here to TLC. But I do think American Alpha, maybe with Slater and Rhino, but I think just maybe by themselves, will be the sole survivors for SmackDown and pick up the sole SmackDown win at Survivor Series. Well, I cannot wait to see the fallout from Survivor Series. We are two days, five hours, zero minutes, three, two, one. We are two hours and two days and four hours away from Survivor Series. We will see you next week to discuss the fallout and everything leading into tables, ladders, and chairs. This has been Wrestle Rant Radio. We will see you next Friday. <laughs>